The things that people normally pay attention to and are important to them and they advocate for are the things that we just really have only a small amount to work with once we take care of our infrastructure. Welcome to BizCast, Greater La Crosse, a weekly podcast from Biz News. We bring you news out of the business community. I am your host and founder, Vicki Markison, and joining me today is Kim Smith. You are the mayor of Alaska. How long have you been mayor now? I was appointed the mayor December of 2019, and then I was elected in April of 2020. So just heading to the end of the last leg of my journey here as mayor of the city of Alaska. Yeah, that's like a whole other story I think we could have around <laughs> what that experience was like. But as I was telling you, Dan Stevens and I sit on the tourism board together and he said, hey, we are so proud to have our last big box store filled. And so that's what caused me to reach out and say, first of all, kudos, because any community would be shouting that from the rooftops. There has been a developer that has filled Shopco. Yep, you can see if you drive by there, you'll see the construction going on now. It's starting to really shape up, but there'll be five different retail stores in there, and we're anticipating the opening in late October, beginning of November. TJ Maxx, which has Home Goods and Sierra, correct? I think so, yeah. And Five Below and Ulta is what is going in there. And some of that is moving from other areas, which will then actually open up other space that needs to get filled. But it'll be new, fresh space, which will be exciting. Let's talk about your rebranding. Yes. One of the other exciting things you'll see around on Alaska and with our communications is that we just went through a rebranding process, both for the city and the Omni Center. The city, we did not intend to have a logo, but through the process of rebranding, which none of us were very familiar with, we found out that a lot of people referred to the city of Alaska as Anna. Mm. And in talking to what we love about Alaska, we feel it's a vibrant community with a lot of things going on. That live Anna, live vibrantly was a great tagline that really encapsulated how we feel about Alaska. And with that, kind of visualizing the vibrant part, we chose instead of just like one color, I think a lot of people think Alaska is purple, mm -hmm. but that is the high school color, but that is not the city color. We identified like several different color palettes that we're going to be using for our social media, for our letterhead, on our business cards, and all of those other things. So I think that's a great refresh for our community and we also, at the same time, did a rebranding for the Omni Center. We were so fortunate to partner with the county for this project. They helped us pay for it. And so the Omni Center does have a new logo now. You may have seen it. It's blue, and the front of it looks like the front of the Omni Center. They're in the process of updating their signage, getting some banner signs, and they'll be completing some painting and other refreshing within the building as the year winds down here. So we were chatting before this about the Omni Center, and I said, it just seems like it is just filling constantly. There's always things to attend at the Omni Center. Can you talk about how well that building is performing? Because it is a city-owned building, correct? Yes, it is. It's a city-owned building, and really for the first time in its history, starting last year, we are actually in the black at the Omni Center. It is supported partially with our tourism dollars and some city dollars. But, you know, we are we are doing well up there. And I really attribute that to our park and rec team that we have in place, as well as our Omni Center manager. They're doing a great job working in partnership with Explore Lacrosse 
to keep that facility full and have a variety of activities expanding what they're offering. I just wrote down a couple notes. The Some of the traditional things that people, I think, commonly attend, the market in the park is coming up on August 26th. There's going to still be the craft fair on October 14th and 15th. We currently do have ice in rink two, and I think maybe that's something people misunderstand. They think it's just a hockey center, and it actually is a hockey center. It's one of the one of the largest hockey centers in the region, but we'll be putting the ice in rink one later in October. Yeah, it's interesting because back from my Builders Association days, you had expanded the, this is how old I am, but essentially you created that second arena and it was always the pressure of, oh, the the hockey players want to get in there. So I realized what a coveted resource that is for the hockey players. Kudos to the Omni Center for all that they have going on. You have a couple other community events, like you were talking about some fundraisers coming up. Sure. Let me, before we move on to that, let me just add, though, that I think people need to realize that having a sheet of ice down, especially year-round, but really anytime, it is very expensive. It costs a lot in electricity. So we are monitoring what happens at the Omni Center and evaluating the cost of to rent ice per hour is driven by the market. It's not necessarily driven Mm -hmm. by our cost. And so we are constantly evaluating what is the most effective use of our community space and what best benefits everyone. And even though it has traditionally been a major ice center, does not mean it will always be one in the future, just depending upon community and how it changes. That is an important note. Yeah, what I had asked you was, the canine fundraiser. You have some fundraisers. Yeah, there's multiple fundraisers going on right now. And our community is just so generous and supportive. And really, we rely on everyone working together. As I mentioned, with this rebranding for the Omni Center, we partnered with the county on that. With the canine program, that's always been funded by community dollars. It is it's a partnership. The city pays for the officer, but the extra costs incurred are even for our current canine, are already borne by generous contributions. So the current canine fundraiser is to add a second canine. We're hoping to, Miri is our current one. He's about mid, mid-career. mid And so we're hoping that by adding the second canine now, we can have a nice transition and move to having two canines in service. It, they provide a service to our community that's invaluable. They're able to find and detect various drugs, whichever one they're trained for. They can do searches based on scent, and they can be a supportive person if uh, if uh, someone flees and needs to be apprehended. They can assist with that and defending our officers. So we really value our canine program and are looking forward to expanding that. The goal for that was $110,000, and we are so close to that goal it is almost realized. We had the National Night Out on Tuesday and they had a booth set up and we're accepting contributions there as well. We really anticipate reaching that goal within the very near future. Fantastic. And then you had said that there was the community center. The community center is going to get a facelift. Yes. Our community center that's located on Quincy Street near the middle school is we started, we wanted to leave a legacy with some of our funding that we received from 
post-COVID funding. Mm -hmm. And so the council had identified the community center as a place in need in our community and somewhere where we could leave a legacy for the future. And that project is in the design phase now to completely rebuild the community center. Local Local architect has been hired and we have a vision for that, really expanding that place. Right now, the seniors take their lunches there and there is a nominal kitchen. The bathrooms are not handicap accessible. The entrance coming up to the building is not fully ADA compliant. So there's many things with that building that need to be improved. And we're really looking forward to offering that to our community. Construction will probably be in 2024 to 2025. So it's a pretty large project that we're taking on. Any other community projects that are happening? Yeah, definitely. The Lions Club has a fundraiser going on to build Every Child's Dream Playground. This is going to be located at the community park. So just on the other side of the block from the community center behind the shelter there. This is going to be an all-inclusive playground that we don't have anything like that in Alaska now. So we're really happy to partner with the Lions on this to bring their vision to reality in one of our community parks. And then you had mentioned the cemetery expansion. Yeah, that's kind of a longer project that we've been working on for a long time. We want to add a columbarium to the cemetery, and there's some other design work going. If you're familiar with the area, you'll know Hickory Street cuts through the one side of the cemetery, and there's like a wooded lot across from that. That is future cemetery land where this development is going to be going. So as part of that, Hickory Street will be abandoned, vacated between 12th and 13th so that that portion can fully become united with the rest of the cemetery. Now, this is dependent on, we've started our budget process, but depending upon budgetary dollars, we're anticipating the vacation of Hickory Street to be either in 2024 or it might get pushed to 2025, depending upon all of the other things up in the air with the budget. On that note, is there anything in the budget that people might be interested in pending its approval, of course? I mean, there's always a lot of things in the budget. We have two budgets, actually, the operating budget and the capital improvement budget. Talk about the operating budget side for a little bit first. A lot of people might have heard in the news about the shared revenue bill that was recently making its way through the House and Senate. I was fortunate to be able to go down to Madison for the hearings. Mitch Reynolds was there as well. And when register in support of that bill that did eventually pass. That shared revenue bill will really help us with our operating expense, and we appreciate that. But the way municipalities budget, we really can't increase taxes. We have a levy limit that we're not allowed to go over. So that's part of the reason the shared revenue is so important. It's like extra money that we get for this from the state in addition to the tax dollars that we get from the property taxes. But... You know, looking forward, it will help us this year. It may help us next year, but it is not a long-term solution to a problem that exists. So I'm not sure if more work can be done on the side of the state. Otherwise, our only recourse looking forward as a municipality is we look at these 7% inflation rates, the challenges of retaining good people, keeping compensation competitive. 
We really only have two other choices, and one is to add fees, which we're legally limited what fees we can add. And then the other option is to do a referendum from the voters requesting permission to go over the levy limit. So we're really all these things, you know, we're talking several years out, but, you know, you have to plan, as with all budgets, you have to be looking into the future and trying to make wise decisions for our community because we know Analaska has a lot of great things going for it. We really pride ourselves in our in- existing infrastructure. We invest a lot of money into that. We want to keep it up. And then on the capital improvement side, we generally budget about $3.5 million in projects each year. And the majority of that is tied up with keeping our infrastructure in place, keeping our emergency services in place. So it leaves us very little discretionary spending to do things like this community center rebuild and say even playground equipment and things, the things that people normally pay attention to and are important to them and they advocate for are the things that we just really have only a small amount to work with once we take care of our infrastructure. And so let's stay on that thought process, which is on Alaska's landlocked, there isn't a lot of land available. And there's an important conversation coming up in terms of how that land and transportation, and it's usually called the comprehensive plan. So what does that look like? Yes, this is our year to to look at our long-range comprehensive plan. We have a committee of people working on this and we've hired a consultant. So we are trying to take, planning to take public input through different stakeholder meetings. And then we'll have a open house probably in September where people can give input on all the various things about Onalaska that we think are important. This really sets the stage for how we move forward and make decisions about you know, about things in the future, we refer back to it and say, when we did the comprehensive plan, this is what was important to us. So we try to hold on to those things going forward. So we don't, sometimes I think people get caught up in trying to just use the budget, for example, trying to meet the budget, keeping the budget low. What do we have to make different priorities? What are we going to prioritize? And we want to make sure that we don't lose the sense of what makes Onalaska the vibrant community that we've identified it to be. And we have to really put those ideas onto paper so that we don't lose them. If you're more interested in that, we do have a website contributed to it. It's called liveona2040.com. That's L-I-V-E-O-N-A-2040.com. There we will be, there's some different surveys where you can take a poll, give your input. And as we go through the process, those questions and the information that's on there will change. And as we are bringing forward the components of the plan, they will be there also for public review. So we're hoping to make best use of our computerized world and social media and try to get a lot of input from the community. This comprehensive plan, especially with being a landlocked city, is always an interesting conversation. And again, as we were leading into this interview, I said, you know, there's this great potential because the what some of us know is the former Midwest Securities, I think Optum was in there at one point, large piece of property that is, how do we describe it? Kind of by Mayo Clinic, over by Home Depot, Walmart there. And then they've now split up the side lots that were part of that. So 
there's a pretty big, well, there's a pretty big building for sale, but now there's two, I, I think it's on each side, two side lots. And it got us talking about the public's understanding of what control city has and doesn't have over land. How do you, how would you explain it to the public? The city doesn't approve business plans. We don't do any business building of ourselves. We do have the codes in place that guide what can happen in different areas, how it's zoned, what process has to happen in order to try to request the zoning to get changed if needed. Um, But oftentimes people have a vision for something that would be great in a location and they let me know what it is. And unfortunately, I'm not too much help because I'm not able to fund that. Really, you need to find a developer or someone like that to invest in those sorts of projects. But I think we're doing well with our business, with the space that we do have. Lots of people are investing in businesses that already exist, and we're trying to make it as easy as possible when people come. If people come to the city and they, we have a city planner that they can talk to to go over their plan, that can help guide them through the process of what else they would need in order to put something in a particular location or build on a vacant lot, we can always guide people through that process. Yes, and you're actually known for doing that very well. So I'll say that for so that people know it's just how do you people walk in and you have the reputation of how do we help? Well, thank yeah. you for that. We really do want it to be that way. And even if we disagree, even if what you want to do is outside of the rules that we have, we can also guide you for what the process is to get the rule changed. And so that's why some, a lot of people call me. They're going to call the mayor and tell me whatever it is. I try to have them try to figure out when I talk to them, like, instead of just generally complaining about a whole list of things, to try to be a little more specific. Because if it's something specific, maybe we can change it if it is that bad. But if it's just a general gripe, I'm not probably going to be able to fix that one. But I think that climate that you have created, not just you, your whole team, the whole city, and all of the workers, that that attracts businesses. And so I know you have some new businesses that are starting up. I think you had a list of those. Yep. Yeah, we just have a, I just have a few here of the recent ones. Now, keep in mind, if, and if there is a business existing that leaves or closes and another similar business comes in there, there likely isn't any paperwork needed on the city side. So it's only when a different use or a new use comes that we get that paperwork across our desks. A couple of them that I know of coming up are Happy Plants is going in Cross Road Center. Bath and Body Works is going in the old Skechers that's between Coles and Target. And there is a Metro Infusion Center going in Crossing Meadows. Metro and TDS continue to install the fiber network into the right-of-ways, which there's, people are mixed on what they think about that. I think, I'm hoping that it gives our community members more diversity in the services that they have to choose from. And I'm optimistically hoping it will bring the cost of service down. So that one I wanted to mention. And there was another one. Oh, people always ask about Camping World. Oh, yes. Everything is approved from the side of the kit. On the city side, Camping World is good to go. So whatever they're doing with their business is their business. It's nothing to do with the city. And I I feel like that's one around social media as well. (laughs) So I can debunk that rumor. (laughs) Yes. 
that however they choose to open is on them, but they're paying their property taxes. Correct. So far, anyway. <laughs> yes. And you've also, as we were talking about the team, if you will, that you have at the city of Onalaska, you have some new team members coming in. Yeah, so many changes. But I feel like that's the trend we're in the world nowadays. People are, there's just a lot of changing. I guess I go chronologically, the quickest one coming up here is our municipal judge, Mark Huseman, has resigned to accept a position on the circuit court. He's been appointed by our governor to replace Todd Bjorki, who is retired. Congratulations to Mark. He's done a good job in our joint municipal court. We've appreciated his service, and he'll definitely be missed. There'll be then a general election for our municipal court position in April, but that Joint Municipal Court Commission will appoint someone to fill out his term. Next up, probably most people know our longtime firefighter, assistant fire chief, and then fire chief, Troy Goody, retired earlier this spring after many years of service. He was actually our first full-time firefighter and a good friend. It, it's hard to have, it was hard to have him retire, but then I was also happy because we all look forward to retiring someday. So. It's a good thing for him. Hard on the city. Right. Yes. Well, we have a good, our assistant chief, Les Noren, is an excellent assistant chief. He's been serving as the chief for the interim. And then he'll help us break in our new chief. His name is Peter Fleddy. He's coming to us from Marshfield, where he's serving as the chief. And his start date is August 28th. Great. And then last, but certainly not least, we're excited to welcome Rick Niemeyer as our new city administrator. His start date will be on September 11th. Rick is coming to us from Trempolo County, where he served several roles, including corporate counsel. Our interim city administrator has been our city attorney, Amanda Jackson. She's done an excellent job, and she will help with our transition and welcome as Rick takes up the reins. And yeah. she'll go back to city attorney, I assume. Yep, she'll re- she'll retain her. I mean, she's been the city attorney also the whole time, so she'll she'll go back to her regular full time job. Fantastic! Did I miss anything I, on all your points? I think that was all the people points. When we were talking about the logos, I was going to mention people might see we have the Onalaska Shared Ride Taxi. We got so busy with all of these, all of this rebranding, and we were so impressed with how it all was turning out, and we were feeling good about it. And then we started looking at the shared ride taxis, thinking we we could do better. So we've come up with a little logo. We've never really had a name for the shared ride taxi, and so the kind of the name of it is now going to be Drift Link. And they have a new logo that will be going on those vans starting any time now. You should be able to see that. So when you see the Driftlink logo, know that that is the old Onalaska Home and West Salem shared ride, same system that we do in partnership with the running. So it's very successful and well used in our community. So one of my common closing questions that I didn't forewarn you of is, what makes you passionate about what you do? <laughs> well, I've always loved Onalaska. I've been, I'm a lifelong Onalaska resident. So that part of it is easy. I'm really tied to the community. But I got involved in local government really when I was a a young person at the start of my career, working with the Park and Recs Department as part of my job. And when my job transferred to something else, I was asked to serve on the Park and Recreation Board because of my vested interest in our parks. So you'll always find me in in my heart when we didn't even talk about the Greenway plan and the properties that we've been able to add, the acreage we've been able to add to that over the past, over my term. 
something I'm very passionate about. But I just really believe that Onalaska is the best community to live in. And I want to make sure it stays that way. And I think that how we keep it that way is by listening to people. We have so many people, the Rotary, all these, the Onalaska Art Keepers, the Friends of the Onalaska Library, the people that are supporting the Canine Program, the Lions Club. I mean, the list, I hate to, I know I'm leaving out a lot of people, but (laughs) there's so many people that really care about the community. And by listening to them and by partnering with them, like many of these projects that I talked about, we can do more if we work together. Mm -hmm. And I feel like That is something that I am good at, is bringing people together to work for a united cause. And so that's my passion place, and I feel like I'm serving that well as mayor currently. Fantastic. Yeah, you can't beat volunteers, right? Right. That see a vision, (laughs) and they. it's similar to being asked, can you please put in the latest fast food restaurant as the mayor, right? (laughs) And you go, if you can do it, well, you have a group of volunteers that see great vision for the city, and they're making it happen, which is invaluable. So. You have been listening to Kim Smith, the mayor of Onalaska. This is BizCast Greater Lacrosse. We'll catch you next week.